Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of the Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As Neil has mentioned, we're starting our short Advent series called Light in the Darkness, around the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 9. We'll be looking at three aspects, hope, deliverance and peace. At the beginning of this series, I'd like to quote one of my favorite lines from a Christmas song. And it goes like this. Like a candle flame, flickering small in our darkness, uncreated light shines through infant eyes. I expect that there'll be a lot of candles bought and received as Christmas presents this year. On the subject of candles, I wonder if you recognize who said this recently. We can see the candle of hope and must do all we can to nurture its flame. Do you recognize who said that? Well, it was the health secretary, Matt Hancock, at a recent Downing Street briefing. He was referring to encouraging signs of a vaccine against COVID. He used that expression, the candle of hope. My theme from this passage is going to be hope. We all need hope, not just for a cure for the COVID virus, but for life in general. We hope for what we would like to happen, usually for things we think will be good. I guess we've all had hopes in our life. Here are some that you may well have had. Hope for a good job. Hope for good weather for a wedding. Hope for our children to do well at school. Hope that we won't get stuck in traffic on the M25. I guess many of us have hoped for that one. Hope for good health. Hope for church ministries to bear fruit. Hope for those we are praying for, perhaps as part of our blessed list. Hope that the church will be able to meet without restrictions again, and so on. To hope is part of what it means to be human. But firstly, what real hope is not. Real hope, it's not wishful thinking that safeguards us from facing up to the difficult realities of the present. 
It's not like buying a lottery ticket, the hope that we're going to win. Anyway, according to the odds, you're at least four times as likely to be struck by lightning than you are to win the lottery. So the lottery ticket, hoping in that, is just wishful thinking. Hope is more solid than that. Neither is hope simply being optimistic in the face of challenges. You may well have heard some of these expressions. Always look on the bright side of life. Or maintain a positive attitude. Or every cloud has a silver lining. Or there's always someone worse off than you. I must confess, when I'm going through a difficult time, I don't particularly want to be told these things. I want a hope that is deeper than that. Real hope that goes beyond even death has to be based on something certain or as those who believe in Jesus, on someone. Isaiah prophesies a message of hope. Now he was living through a very difficult time. It was a time of war and exile. Not perhaps totally dissimilar to what's going on in Syria right now with war and people trying to flee the conflict. It's a tragedy. Isaiah was prophesying when the Assyrian Empire was dominant and had attacked and defeated the northern territory of Israel. So things were very bad. But he says in the first word of his prophecy here in verse 1, he starts by saying, nevertheless. In other words, despite the evident reality of what's going on around him, he confidently sees a better future. Nevertheless, he says, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And the northern kingdoms of Israel, where the lands of Zebulun, Naphtali, and Galilee were, came to an end, as it happened, and was named Samarina by the Assyrians. So Isaiah acknowledges the defeat. He doesn't stick his head in the sand about the reality of things. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't have the final say. He writes, in the past, he, in other words, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And although the Assyrians were also threatening the southern kingdom of Judah where Isaiah was, Isaiah has a vision of hope. So even in the midst of the gloom of the time, Isaiah foresees hope and is going to come in an unexpected manner to an unexpected place, to an unexpected people. He writes, Galilee of the nations. In other words, blessing is going to come to the nations, not just the Jewish people. He looks 700 years ahead and sees the future as though it has already happened. There's going to be a new beginning, he prophesies. Our God, we have to say, is full of new beginnings. The resurrection of Christ inaugurated a new beginning. If you're a Christian, then you're already part of that new beginning. We also read in the Old Testament that God's mercies are new every morning. New beginnings that God gives. The things you regret in your past need not define your future. Remember the occasion when the Apostle Peter, full of bravado, told Jesus he would never deny him. I will never deny you, even if everybody else does. They may all desert you, but I certainly won't. And we know, of course, that Peter fell at the first hurdle. But Jesus gave Peter a new beginning. Dear friends, I want to tell you today that whatever your past failures, be they yesterday or 20-odd years ago, 
Jesus wants to give you a new beginning. All you need to do is ask him. Isaiah says in verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I think at the present time, our world has been plunged into a period of gloom by this coronavirus. It's produced fear and economic uncertainty. Many people have died. Relatives have been unable to meet loved ones, particularly those in care homes. Many people feel isolated and lonely. Companies have gone bust. Jobs have been lost. Plans have been disrupted. The church is unable to gather together in person. And when we have been able to, we're told we can't sing. And we in Britain have been cushioned to some extent, unlike in many other nations. I happened to listen to our local MP being interviewed on TV last week. And from what he said, there's clearly disagreement about how the government is handling things. Who do you believe? What statistics tell the real story? Who knows? It's still a very difficult time, not to mention the concerns over climate change. These things, if nothing else, show that expose the fragility of our existence. And yet, Isaiah's message is just as relevant to us today as it was so long ago. It's clear from the New Testament that Isaiah is foreseeing the coming of Jesus. In fact, Matthew quotes Isaiah's verses in his gospel. Where Jesus was born, grew up, and where much of his ministry took place was in the very areas that Isaiah prophesied they would, Zebulun, Naphtali, and Galilee. Isaiah's hope is sure and certain. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I wonder, do you sometimes feel as if you're walking in darkness, that hope has faded, that discouragement has set in? Do you ever feel like giving up? To quote Shakespeare, do the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune seem stacked against you sometimes? Well, I've got good news for you. The God of hope draws near. At this time of Advent, we celebrate that God draws near, wrapped in swaddling bands and lying in a manger. It's in a backwater of the nation, revealed to humble shepherds whose testimony wasn't even accepted in a court of law at the time. It's revealed to outsiders who come from a distant land, to an unexpected place, in an unexpected manner, to unexpected people. The Messiah is born and he comes to those who have no hope. The great light comes, but doesn't remain as a baby, but grows and proclaims his message of hope, which is this, God loves you and me. And we need to turn to God with all we have. We need to leave behind the God-rejecting way of life. We can be reunited with God who gives us new life and new beginnings. That's the glorious hope that Jesus brings. It's a hope that goes beyond death itself. Jesus comes as the light of the world so that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Coronavirus will not have the final word. Economic uncertainty will not have the final word. Climate change will not have the final word. Disappointments will not have the final word. Apparent setbacks will not have the final word. Death will not have the final word. I took the funerals of three Christians this year. It was a sad occasion, of course, 
But I have to say this, it was occasions saturated with hope because Jesus has the final word. We can be sure, we can be certain, our hope can be strong because it is founded on the very character of God himself. The cross of Christ testifies to God's love and commitment to you and me. Christ's resurrection points to Christ's eternal victory over death. Christ is our hope. We trust in his unfailing love. That's where our hope lies. Before this current lockdown, Joy and I were in Bournemouth and I noticed three large ships out at sea. The next day, they were in the same place. And the next day, they didn't move because they were anchored there. I wonder, where is your hope anchored? Is your hope anchored in Christ? When things are difficult, and let's face it, they often are. When obstacles seem insurmountable, have you ever been in that place? I have. Let your faith arise through knowing you have a Savior who is even now at the right hand of God interceding for you. I love this song that we're going to be singing hopefully later on. Here's one of the verses where it says, When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. God's love for you, dear friends, is unchanging. It is strong. It is secure. You can anchor your hope in him. Let's just take a moment to do that right now. Can I encourage you, where you are, just to put your hands out in front of you like this as a sign of willingness to have your hope renewed? I'm going to say a short prayer. The words should come up on the screen. I'd like you, first of all, just to listen to me as I say this prayer once, and then we can say them together. So I'm just going to say it, and if you would kindly listen, that would be great. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of who you are and what you've done. I ask that you will open my eyes again and again to the depths of your love for me. I place my hope afresh in you today, knowing that I am in the safest hands of all. Amen. Now, can we say that prayer together? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of who you are and what you've done. I ask that you will open my eyes again and again to the depths of your love for me. I place my hope afresh in you today, knowing that I am in the safest hands of all. Amen. Let's make that our prayer this coming week. We don't ignore the present reality of our circumstances, but we invite God to renew our hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, at the beginning, I mentioned candles. Well, here's a candle. 
that I'm going to light. Candles give a little light. There are many other things I could say about a candle, but one of them is this, that a candle is easily snuffed out. But the light that Jesus gives is very different. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. Dear friends, is your hope anchored in Christ? Whatever you may be facing, remember this week simply to invite the Holy Spirit to renew your sense of hope. For Christmas tells us that Emmanuel, God is with us. He's come, the light of the world. He was born, was crucified, and then raised to life and will come again. We thank you, Lord, that in all we're going through, that you are with us and will never leave us. You are the God of new beginnings. We place our life and hope in you, for we know that you are utterly trustworthy. Amen.